0: All right.
1: Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to 2019. This is the first show of 2019 and it seemed only fitting today to talk about those things that everybody talks about at this time of the year. Our goals. Now I'm not a big believer in New Year's resolutions because I think so frequently it just sets us up to fail and that's not a good pattern to be in. But it is a good time to think about where would I like to be a year from now? What are my intentions? What are my purposes? And Goal setting seems to be a perennially hot topic. We really like new beginnings, don't we? I do. I know for sure I do. I have what I call a back-to-school mentality. I like to get everything all ready to start something, just like I used to do as a kid with all those new pencils and books and shoes and clothes and everything. So yes, goals are a perennially hot topic. And Could it be that we hear and read about it so often because it's a subject that's easy to know about and difficult to practice? (laughs) I think that could be true. I think it would be surprising to find an adult who's ever had a job who's not heard about goal setting. You know, the Harvard study of graduates, uh, I think over 30 years found that there were only a small percentage, actually 3% of all those graduates who actually wrote down their goals. And it was found in that study that those were the people who were most successful in life. So you can be certain that every one of those students had repeatedly heard the value of goal setting, and yet only 3% actually wrote down their goals consistently. So imagine what we could do if we really thought about what we'd like to accomplish in our life, who we'd like to be, how we would like to demonstrate alignment with our values, what would we like to bring to our work life, our family life, our relationship. And if we just wrote those things down to bring them into consciousness, to make ourselves aware of them, to make them concrete, then we would actually have written down goals, whether you call them goals or not, intentions, desires, doesn't matter. So imagine what you could do if you wrote them down and then focused on them frequently, took them out every week and read them. Um, That's a way of changing your mindset. That's a way of changing the way that you do life. You stay focused on what you want and you stay in the present moment with that. So what is it that causes this New Year's Resolution Syndrome? You probably know the one because we've just gone through it. People make resolutions. They work hard at them for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, and then they make excuses instead. And then next year, they make the same New Year's Resolutions. That's what I call the New Year's Resolution Syndrome. It's self-defeating and self-sabotaging for so many people. So why do so many people do it? Well, they may be making goals that are too global, too big, too extensive, too unrealistic for the time frame they have to do them in or the body type they live in or for their current finances. That's not to say that they're not worthy goals. But they need to be broken down into smaller, more specific, attainable pieces. I think the elephant analogy is still the best one I know of to illustrate good goal setting. And you probably know it. How do you eat an elephant? One spoonful at a time. Yeah, you knew that, right? So it is with goals. Make spoon-sized goals and accomplish them. Once you've mastered those, get a bigger spoon. Take a bigger bite. So you may have too many people in your life who consciously or subconsciously are unwilling or unable to support you to reach your goals. Everyone has a kind of personal tribe, their friends, families, colleagues, you do, I do, And you may have created agreement among your tribe members that you are a certain way or you do certain things or you can't or won't or don't do certain things. And those certain things are comfortable and those people are comfortable with you as long as you are and are doing those certain things. And they may even be enthusiastic about your desire to change something or accomplish something new. They could be really behind it or seem to be. And just know that as you change and accomplish things, they might not like it so well. They may even go so far as to put you down in small ways or make light of your accomplishments. Have you had that happen to you? Like they're all gung-ho. Yeah, you go for it. You do that. That'd be great. Then when you actually start doing it, they start kind of tearing at you. Oh, well, you know, don't you have any time for me? You're always at the gym kind of thing. So think about why they do that. It's usually because your changes remind them on some level that they could be doing it too, but they aren't. Makes sense, right? They say they want you to get ahead, but they don't want you to get ahead of them. And so when you start actually making those goals into reality they don't like that so much and so they become a little annoyed or a little testy or a little sulky or pouty. So this is why we have this wisdom of surround yourself with people who want to have you what you want for yourself. Be mutually supportive with people like that and you'll all achieve your highest goals. And that could be family goals, it could be personal goals, it could be work goals. It may be that your family has some things they want to achieve, or you and your partner have things you want to achieve, or you and your team have things that you want to achieve. And when you really flesh them out, you take time to really think about them, put them on paper, get real with them, good things start to happen. So be careful of this because you may have filled your schedule with so many things that there's little room for your goals to grow. And we must be careful not to confuse busyness with progress. Be selective about how you use your time and what you focus on. Success comes when you know what to leave out rather than only know what you want to include in your life. You know, you have to know what you don't want anymore and what you're not going to spend time on in order to spend time on the things that you do want. And here's another thing. Notice how much time you spend on trivia. And that would be your own definition of trivia. You know, some people get, they go down the rabbit hole of Facebook. They're not using it for any particular purpose. It's just kind of fun. And pretty soon an hour and a half is gone. So be watching that because trivia is a nasty habit of taking away your attention from what you say you want to focus on. You know, sometimes you have a big project and you really want to get the project out and the project has a deadline and then it occurs to you that you really should clean your office before you begin on the project. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that you know how that works. So goal setting is a little bit like that old joke about the pig and the chicken who were out for a walk in town early one morning and the chicken became really excited when she saw a sign that said ham and eggs two ninety nine and she said to the pig look look we've got double billing again and the pig grunted and said that's all right for you to say for you that's all in a day's work but for me it's total commitment So think about that in terms of goal setting. Goal setting is all in a day's work, but goal achievement means total commitment. So whatever you've chosen to focus on for this year, 2019, make sure that you've written it down somewhere, somewhere that you're going to revisit, somewhere you will be reminded. And whether that's writing it down in, in some digital way, or you like to have a journal or whatever, just the act of putting it down somewhere that you can revisit helps tremendously. And then know that you deserve to achieve that goal remind yourself, no, this is what I want. This is what I'm here to do. This is my gift to give to the world. Here's what I'd like to have happening. Here's how I'd like to feel. And when you can get into that vision, when you can feel it before you achieve it, here's how I'll feel when this happens, you can begin to embody it. And I hope that you will. Because it's not checking off a bunch of goals and oh did that did that did that although that's sometimes nice that's why people write a to-do list and on the top of it they put the first item is write a to-do list so they can cross it off we like to do that but you know really think about it deeply you can't do everything at once know what your priorities are choose something that is a little stretch but is doable and get some help if you need it you know I'm always here to help you you can go to forrelationshiphelp.com join. Take advantage of my one hour introductory session for only $97. We can get a lot done. I can help you clarify things or come and work with me for a while. If things aren't working in your life, let's fix that. Let's make things happen. If you have big goals to achieve, but they keep seeming like stumbling blocks, let's fix that too. I wish you the very best 2019 possible, but the only way you're going to have that is to create it. You'll create it with your focus on what you want. You'll create it by knowing who you are and that you're living in alignment with your values and your vision for your life and your beliefs and your purposes. And then you will be able to know exactly what to do in the next moment. You won't have to wonder what should I do. You'll know where to focus and you'll know who you are and how you are and your relationships will be extensions of that. So I just wish you the best in 2019. No matter what's happened to you, it's up to you to make something happen now. Take good care and we'll talk soon. Visit me at 4relationshiphelp.com or on YouTube My channel is called For Relationship Help. Talk soon. Hello and welcome to this episode. So excited you're here. I hope you've heard the show before and you're returning. And if you haven't, we're so glad that you're joining us now. And if you have friends that you know would enjoy this, tell them. Come on over and enjoy this. My guest today is Ashley Logston and we have had a conversation before on air because we talked on Ashley's show. So welcome to the show Ashley. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on. Well, it's exciting for people to hear about your alternate lifestyle. Hey, good reason to keep listening everybody to learn about that. And how how just having a different approach to things can change your emotional savvy to really understand that you can do life in so many ways. Mm -hmm. So let me just tell you a little bit about Ashley, and I'm going to read to you what she wants you to know. So she helps families move from chaos and reaction mode to living a life of intention and not waiting for one day to truly thrive. So important because I, like you, Ashley, have never found one day or someday on my calendar, right? Exactly, and it will always (laughs) remain that until you put that date on it. Right, and her podcast, Mama Says Namaste, um, she does that, she blogs, she coaches, and she does personality snapshots. She provides tools and action steps to aid families to creating a life they love to come home to. Mm Sounds good, right? That's so good. Mm -hmm. Ashley and her husband and podcast co-hosts are three homeschooling, unschooling daughters and dog. And here's the alternate lifestyle. They are RVing the United States full time. Mm -hmm. And they focus on authenticity, awareness, and embracing the moment in love. And every moment and being present in the moment. So, so much to talk about, Ashley. Yes. So tell us what made you make this monumental family decision to be an RVer with unschooling children.
0: Yes. And this is coming from a very different model of, of my husband's upbringing where he was raised in a very traditional work model home and they all went to public school and, you know, you get your one vacation a year and everything else. So uh, it was definitely a big shift from what he came from. And, um, And when you talk about when you were just referencing one day, that was really the big thing for us. When my husband Nathan and I went on our tenth wedding anniversary, we did one of the you know a cliche getaway from away from the children down to Cancun, and um, while we were there, we had time to read books and just relax. And one of the books I read was *The Firestarter Sessions* by Danielle Laporte, Mm. and. In this book, she started you know she references goal setting and I was reading it you know with my business mindset and and looking at it for some of the businesses that I was involved in and but she doesn 't just stop at creating a goal, but what is that feeling that you want with that goal so um, we knew that we wanted to travel and then we started to look at okay we want to travel. What's the feeling behind that? Well, it's that feeling of awe and of wonder. And so then you start asking those questions. Okay, well, um, you know, why is that a great feeling to have? Well, it's it's kind of stopping and, and appreciating what is and being right there in the present moment. And the more we dug and the more we kept asking ourselves these questions, the more we started to see that this is something that we don't just want to, you know, hope that we get to one day. We don't just want to aim for once every year or two, we do it and build up for it. But we wanted to look for a way to create a lifestyle that supported this, that allowed for us to embrace the present moment and to really enjoy what is right now. And um, and unfortunately, we had experienced, you know, seeing family and friends who who worked themselves to death and, ha, you know, head down, waiting, hoping that one day they'd be able to enjoy it. And by the time one day came, relationships were severed, health had declined, people were no longer around, and you don't get that opportunity. So when we looked at our small, ch- small children and the fact that, yes, we had the, you know, the, the big fancy house and the, um, and the six-figure income and a daddy who was gone all the time. And we just recognized that we wanted, we, we valued his presence and him being there. We wanted to be together and take an adventure together. And so that kind of started a shift and really became the catalyst for even building Mama Says Namaste as a business to um, have other people walk alongside us on our journey. And, you know, there's such amazing accountability in being able to coach and teach others on the process of being an intentional family, because in order for, For me to speak on it, I have to live it, and Mm -hmm. so it has been a a wonderful way of being able to be the model and to uh, and to experiment and to figure out what works, and then be able to share that with other people as well.
1: Wow! Now that's a very rare thing for someone your age to do, and I think that that's so interesting because there is that movement that's beginning to happen where people are saying. I could create this life any way that I want because the original model that I was shown was not necessarily the only one I need to follow. Right. And what happened when you informed your family, you were going to do this, your traditional families?
0: (laughs) Well, um, his family has actually grown a lot from there and, um, and his dad had already seen the entrepreneurial lifestyle. And when he, when he retired from Nissan after 29 years of working there, he ended up going back as a coach Mm -hmm. into the same business. And they hired him back as a coach, as an independent contractor. And so there already had been a shift in his family of starting to look at things in a more entrepreneurial way. Um, And now they definitely did. I don't think they ever expected us to continue as we have. We just celebrated two years on the road. We have uh, we have stayed in all forty eight states of the of the main continent. So we've hit everything there, and um, and that's kind of the question: is okay. Well, now what? Now you've done it all. You you spent two years. You've hit all forty eight states. What's next? And what's next is we're not ready to stop, and we we love this lifestyle, and so our family and friends have been very supportive of it. They we get more you know, affirmation and support than anything, which is great. And if they don't get it, then that's okay. They're not doing it, but we are. <laughs> so um, it's really been met with more, more interest and desire of, Oh, I wish I could do that than it has been in um, than anybody feeling it being negative. Because when you're on your path and you are I mean, just the law of attraction. It's like we joke about how rainbows and unicorns follow us everywhere. It's not just because we're lucky. It's, man, we've gotten intentional about it. We've chosen this. We have made the choice to create this lifestyle. It doesn't mean that it's always 100% perfect. But, boy, I mean, we're, we're generally genuinely happy. And we really are thriving. And when people see that, it's hard to sit there and – say oh that's you know you're making a bad decision when Mm -hmm. all they see is love and light in Mm -hmm. in relationships what happens for the children creating long-term friendships interestingly enough my podcast episode this week was addressing that question we had a caller that asked if uh they, he had sons that were really big into organized sports and was like, how do you do that on yeah, the road? Yeah. That's a big question is how do you create community on the road? But, um, you know, even like this, here we are never having met face to face and we're able to have these interactions. There is... Because of the internet being what it is, your community can expand a lot. And so one of the things is that we got involved in a Facebook group that's a lot of full-time families. And I mean, one of the groups has 28,000 members in it. And we went to a rally where we got to meet these people in person. And that first rally we went to, there were 160 kids there, all full-time families. Mm -hmm. So these are all families on the road. And what we found is after going to one rally, we only travel alone when we went to. And we have got community everywhere and our community has broadened to um, not even just this, this country, but even beyond that, where we have people that we can connect with and we have the ability to connect virtually, even when we don't see each other in person. And you know, anywhere we go, it's kind of, if you want to connect with us, it's either tell us where you want to go and we'll tell you when we're going to be there or tell us when you're free and we'll tell you where we are. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's lovely. But what about actually playing? Like if I want to play with the same person and I want to physically be able to touch them and house them, play a game, um, do your children enjoy the variety or do you think they miss in any way having the longevity of, people next door or that kind
0: of relationship? Well, this is something that, you know, as a marriage and family coach, I can paint a perfect picture of what our life looks like. And it could be a nightmare for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is that I, I, I very much believe in a family centered home. And so what that means is it's not just we're, we're making the decisions and the kids just have to You know, to bow down to it, and it's not just the kids making it. We are a family team. We 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 get input from everyone involved. So we check in with our kids regularly. Are you do you like this lifestyle? Do you want to continue? And I mean, right now, you know, the big dreams is when I grow up and get my own travel trailer. (laughs) They are very much into it, and they love the variety. Um, The people That they want to consistently connect with. They do through us being intentional about connecting with them again you know we caravanned with a family we took a break for a bit and in a few weeks we're going to be back with them again I so yeah, yeah we create consistency when they need it um and you know when they want to have that but as far as it, you know when you when you have that inventory mindset they're kind of open because they don't know what's around the corner that they may discover and explore so um It's been really great for them to be able to, you know, work on their typing skills and brushing up on keeping up with some of those long-term relationships and them just being really open to what other, what other opportunities there are. How old are they? Oh, they are, uh, Clara is 11 and Ellie just turned nine this week and Juliet just turned six last month. Hmm. So oh, so
1: interesting. I, I like this idea. I'm so glad we, we talked about that question because really being able to travel with another family for a while, that means that there's some consistency. We can go on and meet that same family. We can still have a couple of weeks with them, mm-hmm. go to their home base or, you know, whatever. Um, so interesting. Um, about 18 years ago when I had my first podcast, people were just beginning to do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a guest on who was writing quite regularly on the internet about her experiences with the RV lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And people were really intrigued then, but we weren't really talking about this whole idea of families. And and I didn't know that full-time families was a thing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, it's a lot larger than people guess. And it's just one of those reticular activator. When something becomes personal to you, you start to notice it everywhere. Well, when this became personal, all of a sudden we've, we've met a ton of people all across that do it and they do it in different ways. You know, it may be for, for some, they do move every few days, but there are some others where they may stay stationary in an area for several months or something. So they are established more because that's what their family needs. Great. Well, let's
1: talk about some of the, some of the things that I can think of a real plus. You know, I can imagine that my target audience, the people who are in relationship with the hijackers I talk about, Mm -hmm. would immediately say, ah, if I adopt this lifestyle, I can go far away from high <laughs> And And that that has, has some benefits. And I can paint a picture of wh- how wonderful it is to do that. So that's a good thing. <laughs> um, and so that's immediate. But, you know, you've come across toxic people in your life, I'm sure, and in your practice. And what do you think is your greatest learning, your greatest power to not be... Once you realize it's that kind of relationship to not to be sucked into it,
0: what have you learned? Well, I think the big question to ask is, what are you in control of? And I ask this of my, of my six-year-old, what can you control? When she gets angry at a, a kid that is difficult and terrorizing her, I mean, how much can you control somebody else's reactions? you can't but you can really control how you're going to react and how you're going how much control you're going to give that other person of who you are. And so um when I talk with personality styles it's really helping to kind of figure out what motivates that person and so um control is one of those you know there are some people that really need to have that feeling of control and so that's what I say to them is You are 100% in control of your reaction and how much you're going to allow this to suck you in. And Mm -hmm. you have that control and that responsibility. You cannot control what they're doing, but you can set a clear line as to how much that's going to affect you. And I think too, let me just interrupt. You know, it
1: it is the fact that we're 100% responsible for teaching people how to treat us. And so then we have that secondary piece of, yes, what's in my control, but also what are my boundaries? Mm -hmm. You know, what's okay with me? What's not okay with me? That's not always in our control to make people um, honor those boundaries. But we have to know and have communication skills in order to set them and to repeat them. So is that something you also work with the children on?
0: Yes. So, yeah, I mean, they, we are very big on, you know, not, I mean, they, they have to be aware of where their comfort zone is and what's okay and what's not okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, we talk about, uh, as adults, there are, um, You if you have somebody that's super toxic, you know, usually the the advice is, okay, let's not try to submerge my life in this toxic, you know, in this toxic arena. Where are your boundaries as kids? um, A lot of times the assumption is, well, you just have to tolerate bullies. You just have to deal with bullies. My kids have never known that they have known from the very get go that if a kid is being a punk, move on. Don't you, you, there are way too many people in this world for you to sit there and suffer through somebody that just tears you down and doesn't build you up. And so, yeah, there are going to be people like that. And some of them, you know, you brush it off and you move on. And there are some where you can draw a clear line in the sand and say, no, I I want no part in this.
1: Yeah. And when we put that into the adult arena, just so that we keep it in the context of the entire family. Mm -hmm. We have to also know that if somebody is not honoring our boundaries is not somebody who's taking no" for an answer, and we experience that that, as an adult, if they are constantly transgressing getting into our space, threatening us in any way, that at those moments we also have to know that not only do we demonstrate strength but we may have to borrow some strength, which may mean that we have to tell the police about something happening or or make a declaration to our neighbors and say, you know, please watch for this. Because it it goes from somebody making an offhand comment that's really unwelcome to constantly picking on somebody. But Mm -hmm. then much of what happens with toxic people is that they put on what I call the public picture of perfection. And then at home, they're creating a private place of pain. And so... When we recognize that there's a private place of pain at home and we go and try and tell somebody and all they've seen is the public picture of perfection, everybody goes, oh, no, that can't be the case. It must be your doing. So it's very important for us to realize that is an ultimate thing. We do go to something larger than ourselves in order to control these things. Not the children need to very often, but uh, we often need to do it on behalf of the children. Is whether or not that's their parent who is toxic, or it's somebody in their home life or their life in general in the community, we have to act on their behalf.
0: Well, and there's an, the author Jim Ron talks about you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so it's not that you necessarily never, ever deal with a toxic person. And especially if you're talking about a close family member, if you're having, if that is your your parent or your child, um, that can be really difficult. But if I take that concept of you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around that tells me those five people, those people that are the core of my support in my community are not those toxic people. And I'm going to find those people for community, for accountability, for affirmation, for validity, all of those things that are so important. And I think that that's important for, yeah, whether you're a child or whether you're a parent, having that and recognizing you're not alone in this. And you do need to have those people that lift you up and that light you up and get you excited about moving forward instead of the negative Nancys that just drag you down and yes. tear you
1: down. And those very people who can lift you up can also be your support people. They don't have to even be lifting you up. They just generally have to be there and have your back.
0: Right. Um, Just having somebody to listen is so valuable.
1: It is. And to listen without judgment. And this is an important thing. If you have someone in your life, and, and I'm sure that you help people with this, Ashley. But if you have someone in your life who you say, I'm feeling this way. And they do not validate your feeling. They say, well, you shouldn't feel like this for this reason. Notice that little red flag. That yes. person does not have your back. They're trying to define your reality for you. And this is not going to be a straight-across relationship that you could count on or feel safe in. Mm-hmm. So these are such important things, and I'm sure you're teaching your children all of these things. So let's just flip to one of your other hats is, is in creating the home so mm-hmm. that it kind of emanates out from home, you know, from what I've read about your work. Um is that this creation of home, even if it happens to be on wheels, <laughs> home is a concept, isn't it? What would you define home as?
0: Oh man, home. Yeah, home is more than a than a box or a building of any sort. What home is to me is home is that comfort, that security. It's it's where I can. Let my guard down, take a deep breath, and find that peace. And that, and that is in the those those powerful, beautiful relationships. You know, family can have a lot of different definitions uh, for people, but it's you know, my home includes my family. It includes those people that 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 do support and listen and affirm and validate, and um, at, offer that that positive space. You know, we make sure that we keep our physical living space a sacred space that is um that doesn't bring the negativity and the toxicity that is out there in and we're very intentional about doing that and um and making sure that uh that we go back to what our family vision is mm-hmm. we've decided on this together and we have it it's six simple words I mean i talk and that's what i coach a lot of families on is starting with you know creating what that vision is, we, we, we can be really intentional in business to create those vision statements and, the, and mission statements for a company. And then life and personal life and marriage and kids just happen. And then we just kind of don't really have that expectation or don't voice that expectation of what it's supposed to look like and it just happens and we can become a victim of circumstance. So we started at the very beginning with what do we want home? to look like? What do we want our family to look like? And for our family, we decided on six simple words. It's explore, respect, listen, connect, learn, and love. And those six words become our mantra. And when we think about what's coming into our home, we're looking at those words and we're looking at how to bring that in. And when we have stuff that's toxic, when we have just needs to get out, we get it out in positive ways. It may be having a conversation outside of our house and airing it out in the yard. It may be, uh, we just did this yesterday. We did a five rhythms dancing class and um, part of it is just shaking your whole body. And we will. I'll come outside and I'll say, I'm cranky as can be. And so I'll shake my whole body. And I mean, way to get giggles from your kids and add in and completely shift the, the energy in the home. Mm-hmm. And so we look for things like that to create that positive environment and that energy where people can come and find peace.
1: Mm-hmm. So what do you do about possessions? Do you use the same, the same idea? Do you help yourself and your children gauge what's important to them? Uh, Is there a limitation on the number of possessions? How do you manage what goes into the home?
0: Well, for us, it is a very, it can be a little bit more black and white than in some places because we have 240 square feet (laughs) and we are not even, uh, we have to look at the literal weight, not just something that weighs you down energetically, but we're calculating. I like rocks and crystals and I have a whole box that I have to say goodbye to because (laughs) it's it's really heavy. Yes. So, so we we are very about, or intentional about what comes in and it's looking at, you know, does it serve a purpose? Does it bring joy in your life? Um, is this something that adds to our lives or is it something that weighs us down with clutter or with frustration because kid never picks it up off the ground? Um, we have really through a process of just kind of, Assessing everything and saying is this worth holding on to and we will we'll give and we we give to friends We'll donate. Well, sometimes a kid will want something and they'll they'll choose to sell something they have in order to get something else Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Let me ask a question about that. So how have you taught your child to, to decide how they value something because If all of us had been through processes like the ones you're developing, we would have different lives. Many of us would have different lives because we kind of just did what our brain development told us to do and we were allowed to do it and we followed the model of our parents and that may or may not have been a good thing. And so we end up needing all kinds of people to help us clear our clutter and think through all of this. So how do you teach a child to know what they value when they want to bring something into
0: the home. We allow them to be invested in the whole process. So, um, I mean, when my oldest was five, she wanted a digital camera. She loved taking pictures. She's a five-year-old, and she wanted a camera. And I had one that was older that I could have just given to her. And I didn't. I said, that's great. All right. Well I have one that may fit fit you. It's twenty five dollars. And she worked and she figured out and we talked about it and I mean this is part of our unschooling process she did the research she and she well at, at five this one was more she made muffins she sold muffins and she raised the money and she got it and she cherished that thing and she took right. care of it because she invested in it she wanted a beta fish uh last year and boy we ended up with a 20-page report with illustrations. I did not realize that there are 73 different species of beta fish <laughs> or that they are labyrinth fish and can breathe out of water. I have learned so much about beta fish. By the time she finished, not only had she learned all about the animal, but she had price shopped all of all of the supplies. So she was using her math. She was adding everything. She had role played with me calling a pet store to find out what they had. And so she was working on her social skills. She was, you know, calculating all of this and what the cost was going to be. And we have yet to have a day that our little beta fish has not been fed, taken care of and everything else. And so when our kids want something, they, they do their research and they really decide whether it's worth the time and energy. If they aren't willing to research it and to justify it, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, It's interesting because that could have gone one of two ways. I mean, I can imagine her doing all that research and then going,
1: Okay, that's all I need to know about beta fish. I don't
0: need one, right? Um, And yes. And it would save us all a lot of stress because, as parents, what happens? I want a beta fish. Okay, it's five bucks. Get a beta fish. And then I'm the resentful parent who's mad because now I've got a fish that I have to keep track of when we're moving constantly. And I'm frustrated, but I've got this living animal. So oftentimes, because it isn't really a big expense for us as parents, we'll just say, okay, but in doing that, we can miss a valuable lesson in helping sure. our children learn to be invested in the process.
1: Yes, I think that is a very valuable lesson because, you know, I've I've been through the decluttering process several times. Of course, I've had a much longer life to accumulate things, but I also have taught feng shui in my life, so I understand these things. But You know, I now when I think about bringing something in, and I wrote about this in one of my books, and for those people who don't know, I've written 16 books, so I I create a little process, you know, is it functional? Is it part of the way that I'm living right now? Is it beautiful, and that I want to have that joy of keeping it around? Or is it memorable, and it brings back Find memories of people and things and if it's an item that's memorable can I take a photograph of it and keep yes. that right and so it, it helps to do that so when I go out to purchase something which I do far less than I ever did before I have a little system, so that's why I was interested in your system for how you're teaching the children how to do that. So we're coming to the end of our time together, and I want everybody to know that I am talking with Ashley Logston, and you can find her at mamasaysnamaste.com. That's mama, M-A-M-A, says namaste, N-A-M-A-S-T-E dot com. So I got to ask, why is it called that? <laughs> oh,
0: you know, i i have I have been a a yogi for a very, very long time, and the, the that concept of Namaste, which is an Indian greeting, you know, didn't originally start from yoga, but here in the states, most of us, if we've heard the word Namaste, it's because we've ended our yoga class saying okay. it. Right. The beauty of the word, though, is that it really is saying that 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 light, that peace, the divine within that, that you know, all of the that enters in and you sees and recognizes, appreciates and acknowledges it in another person. And the goal with Mama Says Namaste is to, you know, those those moments that you get where you're in yoga and you're you're fully centered and you're taking that breath and that calm. You have the opportunity to take that into your home as well. And how many mamas need that namaste, need that time to just chill? And, wow. and, my, and my husband being on the podcast now, too, has really added in the papa side, too. And so it's, it's a good way to just kind of start with that mindset that <laughs> the uniqueness in each of us strengthens all of us. And that's our tagline that we end our podcast on. And you can find that beauty in your home.
1: And I so agree. I mean, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I am a yoga ceremony. I've practiced yoga for 50 years, uh-huh. and I was I was uh, certified in the Shivananda tradition by Swami Vishnu Devananda. So I understand completely why you're talking about it. But I why I was giggling while you were saying that, Ashley, is you know how kids are. They like to remind us of our stuff, and I could just see that that you're out there doing your shake it off, or you're saying you're cranky, and then one of your children go. Mama says, Namaste. Oh, you have no <laughs> idea how many
0: times I remind that. Yes, my kids let me know constantly. <laughs> I just think that that yes. is. So dear. Well, thank you so much for being
1: with us. And Ashley has a gift for you. It's in the show notes, some printables that you could put on your refrigerator. Remember, you can go and find her at Mama says namaste. I think we all know how to spell it now, but it's Mama M-A-M-A says N-A-M-A-S-T-E dot com. Thank you so much for being with you with me. I know you were with you. Um, is there any last words you'd
0: like to share with our listeners? Oh well, thank you so much for having me on and just just the last words are just that yeah you you have the power to to take hold of those feelings and cherish those those good emotions and let things flow and let them go and sometimes um, we get hit with hijackles we get hit with these these toxic things we turn on the news and we're just bombarded by it oh, yeah. but you have the power to shut it off. You have the power to walk away or you have the power to at some point, close the door, take a deep breath and remember you are beautiful. You are loved. There is community. There are people out there that aren't just going to weigh you down and, and you have the rest of your life moving forward to seek that out and to find that and support you in it. So namaste. (laughs) And to you, um, thank you, Ashley, for being with us. You know, there
1: you are beautiful and you do matter and you're offering wonderful things and thank you for your contribution to all of us today. And in this episode, if you enjoyed it, you can always go and listen again. You can speak on Facebook.com slash relationship help show. You can go and put your comments in there. You can also interact with uh, my website at forrelationshiphelp.com. That's F-O-R, relationship com, or my YouTube channel by the same name, For Relationship Help. So much to help you have the health and the well-being in yourself and in your relationships that will bring you the peace that you so deserve. So take care and talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R-relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.